Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app right now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Casual Friday. Talking about Flow Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. As always, look, I got a lot of stuff that I want to get into today. I got my buddy, as always, Joe Yurden. Um, one quick program, you know, by the way, before we get going today. So we do Casual Friday. Next week's Thanksgiving. I've already talked to Joe. It's going to be Casual Wednesday. We're not going to bother doing an episode on Friday. People are going to be Black Friday shopping and hungover and sleeping in and all kinds of shit like that. Not in their normal routine. So it'll be casual Wednesday next week. But anyway, what's going on, dude? How you doing? I'm doing great. I I cannot believe it's Thanksgiving next week. Crazy. By the way, I, I'm, I'm at a loss. <laughs> I cannot, cannot believe we are at the point where it's... It's like that. I mean, I should understand because it's it's it is it is getting colder out, and people who yell about hating that we like fall are getting mad because it's still fall and it's cold. But it's like, geez, did you just check where you live? Did you, you reap did what you, you sow, man? I, I told you, you fall is not a leak to me. I've told you that from day one. That's been my take. Listen, I, it's cold I am, already, man. I am not affected by this in any way. I, I like am, it. I love it. Um, Yesterday, the other day when it was 55 and raining out was, was unnecessary, but, um, like the warmth is fine, but like, nah, I'm legit nah. cold already, Joe. I've, I've already I, went been to, cold for three weeks. You can't, well, I already, so, uh, last month I got two winter jackets and this past week I got winter boots, which is something I have not <laughs> done. And I don't yeah. even know, even when I lived here, I didn't, never had boots. But uh, yeah, I went out. I already got some winter boots. I got some skull caps, some some gloves, and a scarf are coming soon. I just, it's already cold. And you and went I, soft. I you it. went soft so fast. <laughs> my goodness. Well, I wasn't that much of a tough guy to begin with, but yeah, I admit it, man. My blood's thin, dude. It, it, it is what it is. Anyway, all right. So look, I, I, again, I got a lot of stuff that I want to get into today. I originally wanted to do, I'm still am going to do some Buffalo Bills midseason awards. I'll get to that in a minute, but we're going to kind of fly through that because there's other stuff I want to talk about before that though. So as everyone knows, who listens to Joe or follows him on Twitter, he has his own sub stack now, uh, noted hockey. And I've listened and it's funny saying that when it's uh, a literature site, but I listened <laughs> to your, you did a piece like Cody Eakin mm-hmm. did it a couple of days ago. I enjoyed it, man. I, I really, I got to say right off the top here, man. And for, again, for people who, who might not subscribe have subscribed yet to noted hockey do that of course but your site is um if you want to read it you read it but if you if you're not reading you can listen and that's what i'm talking about like sometimes i sit down and i read your stuff or i read other people's stuff i like to read you know what i mean i do enjoy reading but sometimes either i don't want to read quite frankly or i i I got other stuff that i want to do so in the case with your cody eakin piece man i was in the kitchen open up my phone, got to your sub stack and there's an option to listen. It's like an audio version of your story mm-hmm. narrated, of course, by you, which is really cool, man. And 
you know, I've, I've told you many times, I think you got an excellent voice for radio and narration. So that part is really cool. And anyway, I pressed play and I listened to your story while I was doing some dishes and stuff around the kitchen, man. I, I really think that's a, it's a very handy option, man. I like it a lot. I like what you're doing with that. Well, I've seen, I've seen a few like big sites do a, I want to say it's like a, a uh, text to speech uh, way of doing their stories because I think they, you know, I want to believe they're doing it for accessibility reasons, which is also the reason why I'm doing it. Um, Because I know I, there are some, there are a few people that do follow me on Twitter who are hard of sight um, and they do struggle with, with reading it. So I just want to make sure that there is an option to be able to, to be able to listen to it. And honestly, I've had enough people telling me that I, I got to do, I got to do a podcast or I got to, got to do something, you know, speaking wise. I got to do, yeah, put, put my voice to use in some way yeah. or other. I don't think they mean like politically speaking either. I think there's just like, no dude, you sound good. Just, just use that more. Yeah. So I figured it was worth doing. Um, and also for me to get back on the horse and editing audio and learning how to, you know, playing around with, you know, cause I use audacity to record. Uh, so I figured it was, it's worth doing just for that because if I, if when I do a pet, a podcast, uh, it's coming. One is coming. I will say that now. That's, that's my, that's my tip off. One is coming. Nice. Um, but I wanted to be able to, to play around with the program so that I can like put music to it, you know, have a lead in, do the fate, you know, do a lacrosse fades and all that crap. So wanted to make sure I could at least put it together in a way. Now, granted, this is, what I do for this is way easier because it's just me talking to the microphone, recording it and then clipping it, cutting out parts where I'm just like making different noises that I've, and I understand that I now make when I do, when I do speaking, Little because I, I, we all have, Oh my God. Oh my it drives me nuts. Like I hear it. I'm just like, geez, stop doing that. And then I catch myself doing it while I'm reading. And I'm just like, Oh, let's not, can we not do that? And then like, and now I'm getting to the point where I'm like picking out different things that I hear. Like I could hear my computer fan going now, granted, I didn't hear it really going too bad. I might be able to hear it now, but, um, but just the way the computer hums, I could hear it more in the background this last time around. I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So then I got to play around the setting to get rid of the background noise and shit like that. So like, uh, it's, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to do that. And honestly, if it was a huge pain in the ass, I would probably, it'd probably make me not want to write a whole lot because then I'm going to be like, Oh God, I got to write. Oh God, I got to read it too. Uh, I don't want to do that. But like, no big deal. Hell man, if if you write a long enough article, you can can literally be a podcast, you know, the amount of time it takes you to, to do the audio version and stuff. I just really like it. Like I said, sometimes I'm sitting down, I'm in the mood to read. I'm at my desk and, I, and, and I'll read something. Sometimes I just, uh, I'm on the move and I want to know what you're, well, what either what you're saying or what you're writing, but to be able to listen to the audio version of what you wrote on paper is, uh, it's a really cool option, man. I, I think it's really handy. I really yeah, do. I just figure uh, if I'm doing, if I'm making my own content, I got to make as much as I can for, for people to make it, make it easier. Now I don't know how well it sounds me reading off statistics, especially stuff with decimal points and shit like that. But like, um, but I try to, I try to at least have fun with reading it off. I don't want to do a straight read with it. I want to make it entertaining to listen to as, as much as I can. So I try to, I don't, I don't want to say ham it up, but like, I was going to say that too, because you're certainly, when, again, I, I mean, listening to the Cody Eakin when you're not mailing it in, you know, yeah. like I could sit here and, and write out a, a, an article for an example, and I sound fucking robotic the way I would sound, you know, talk about, but like you do have, uh, your narration of, of your words is, um, 
emphatic, man. You know what I mean? You you uh you punctuate a lot of stuff. It, it's fun to listen to, is what I'm saying. It's not boring. It's yeah. not robotic. A lot of times when you hear like an audio version, like I know like Buffalo Rumblings, a lot of these SB Nation sites, anything they put out, you can also read it. But it sounds like Surrey basically is reading it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. you bring some energy to it. it. It's a lot of fun, man. I, I like it. So again, everyone, go check it out. Noted Hockey, Joe Yurden, Substack. Subscribe right now. All right. Look, football, we'll, we'll circle back to hockey because I, I do want to talk some Sabres. Football, man, a couple things. First of all, has it, I don't know, like for you, has this season felt a little off, like not as entertaining? Like it just, it hasn't been fun as much this year for me. I don't know why. It's been unpredictable. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, every week a shitty team is beating a supposed powerhouse. Some people like that. I don't know. I kind of like having a, a couple dominant teams. Like there's no team this year in the NFL that's a standout team. There's no one team that is head and shoulders above anyone else. I don't even think, you know, we like to do tiers. I do tiers all the time. My chicken wing power rankings are literally tiers. I'm right. not even sure there's any t- number one tier teams this year. Like, let's start with number two, like second tier teams. I don't think there's any number one tier teams. There's no standout MVP candidates yet. It's a bunch mm-hmm. of people. It's kind of like, a, I think the MVP race right now, and again, we're at the halfway point of the season. It's kind of like a golf tournament where like there's 15 guys in the field that were within two shots of each other. And again, that could, you could say that's exciting, but for me, I don't know, man. I like to see a couple guys really be head and shoulders above the rest. A couple teams be head and shoulders above the rest, not getting it. And again, that the officiating too many games are are being decided because of bad calls or at least heavily influenced because of bad Mm -hmm. calls and just a lot of sloppy football. I don't know if it's because there's an extra week. I, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know if COVID's a factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got teams like Jacksonville beating Buffalo. You got Tennessee losing the, to the Jets. You got Tampa losing to Washington. Every week, there's a scrub team that beats a good team. Like, what's been your take so far on, the, on this NFL season? It's it's made me think back to back in the day when, you know, when leagues started putting salary caps and stuff into place because they didn't want to have dominant teams anymore because – you know, basically the, the equation was you spend money, you win championships. Like, okay, you know, I, I get that. But at the same point, parody is gross. Like parody, they're like, oh, it makes everything even, makes it every, all unpredictable. It's like parody makes everybody mediocre. Yeah. In my, in my mind. Like, I agree. You don't have, like to have a team that did what, you know, Bills fans don't want to hear this, but have a team that did what Kansas City did a couple of years ago is is wild now to see that team that just goes you know runs all over everybody and you're just like well they're gonna win you know if somebody beats them it's an honest to god shock like i know some people thought last year was a shock but like you know, it really wasn't considering you know all the all the problems that kansas city had going into that game but um but for some reason i i, I always think you know maybe this is just nostalgia because you know we're anybody my age or your age or even just maybe even slightly younger than me has that memory, you know, where nostalgia is a big influence on how our, on our opinions of, of current standards. And I think to, I think back to the nineties when it was, you know, the NFC, you know, being an NFC team fan and, you know, it was always the, it was always the Cowboys, Niners, the Packers, the Giants every once in a while, Washington sometimes. Um, And that was just like, that was just how it was. Those, it was going to be one of those teams winning, the NFC and you're just kind of like, oh, it stinks. I want to see somebody else do it. It's like, well, if somebody else gets to be on that level, cool. I don't want the other teams to get watered down to the point where it's like, 
boy, they, these, all these teams kind of suck. I don't, I don't really right. enjoy this. I think this year's it's parody. It's complete parody because everybody is, everybody's got a fatal flaw, at least one, at least one fatal flaw. Absolutely. And it shows its face every few weeks where you're just kind of like, you're thinking like, Oh geez, they're going to run all over these guys. And then, oops, nope, they didn't, you know, you know, it, I mean, that, just that Buffalo Jacksonville game where, you know, Buffalo is a two touchdown favorite and they you know lose a gross game like that. And you're just like, I don't understand how that happens. It's like, well, there are obvious reasons why, why that happened. But, um, but when it's like this and it's so unpredictable, I mean, I'll say, wait, I'll take it back for 31 teams. It's very unpredictable for one team. <laughs> it's extremely, I predictable know where you're what's going, going to this. happen. I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not going any further with it. Well, there's no um, 0-17 in their feature, at least. They should have won that game. They missed an extra point. An extra point they missed. No, I can't get going. I, I thought I, of you. Of course, everyone, Joe's referencing. People are like, oh, Ty, that's what's deserved. <laughs> I go, no, it's not. They should Joe, have won the game. But the Joe's stupid a Lions kicker fan for everyone missed an there. extra point. <laughs> Jackass. And then he kicks a 48-yarder, which I know in Pittsburgh, that into the stadiums, into the wind. But he missed it short. Are you kidding me, dude? Come on. Get well, lost. But anyway, it, but like, but everything is just like, everybody's in the muck. Like there's nobody yeah. that's rising above it. Everybody's in the muck and everybody's got at least one flaw where you're just like, boy, if that other team can expose them there, they're in trouble. And I think we know what the Bills problem is. I think you can look at every team and figure out what their big problem is yeah. or where it exists. And sure. that's. I don't know if there's comfort in that. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a whole lot of comfort in that because it just makes you nervous about everything. I mean, and like, God help you if you're a gambler, good luck being a gambler trying to figure this stuff out because yeah. I, <laughs> I, I want to see what spread records are uh, for teams because I got to think Vegas has got to be losing their mind on some of this stuff. Probably. And look, even if you don't agree, I completely agree with you for the record. I, I don't enjoy parody either. I don't want all 32 teams even. I like having powerful teams. And then when there is an upset, it means a little more, you know. But anyway, even if you don't agree with that and you say, well, I like every team being even, beyond that, this is, I'm not one of those guys who, I mean, I'll bitch about a call during a game like everybody else. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those conspiracy guys. And I'm not one of those guys who thinks that nine out of 10 times officiating, you know, a bad call might affect the drive or something. But ultimately, the game being decided because of officials, I really don't like that. I don't blame games on refs usually. If the Bills lose nine out of nine and a half out of ten times, it's because of something they did. It's not because the refs screwed them. But the officiating this year has been as bad as I can ever remember it. And COVID is also watering down teams in the league. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're a Packers fan, you have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams before that. And that leads into the Buffalo Bills right now because it is we're taping this. As we take this, I don't know, it's like mid-afternoon on Thursday. We don't know the status yet of his vaccination. I'm talking about Spencer Brown, of course. But as mm -hmm. everybody already knows, Spencer Brown um, it was put on the COVID list. And that is a big blow. I can't believe that I'm saying it's a big blow when this guy was drafted in the third round and wasn't even supposed mm -hmm. to start this year. But nonetheless, he has become a starter. He's becoming a very valuable starter. He makes the offensive line better significantly better, I think. And he's out with COVID. We don't know if he's vaccinated or not. It's very likely people I've talked, the, the, the sentiment is people don't think he's vaccinated. He's likely not vaccinated. If that's the case, he's definitely out Sunday against the Colts. And 
He's definitely out next Thursday on Thanksgiving night when the Bills play the Saints. Mm -hmm. That's a big, big blow to the Bills, man. The offensive line without him is a mess. We saw that in Jacksonville. So you got Spencer Brown likely out for Sunday with COVID. Star Latutale is still not back. I don't think he's going to be back for Sunday. And then on the physical injury part, Tremaine Edmonds is still not practicing. He's very likely not going to play on Sunday. Matt Milano is in a red non-contact jersey during practice on Thursday. Very limited. Good chance he might not play. I'm t- <laughs> the, the Bills are in a lot of... What I'm getting is this. DeForest Buckner is one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, man, the thought of Cody Ford possibly being back in at guard is very scary. I don't know if they do that. I don't know if they... If they put Daryl Williams, leave him at guard and, and try Ryan Bates at right tackle. I don't know. But point being, the offensive line's a mess. The defense would start. I mean, it didn't matter against the Jets, but the Indianapolis Colts are better than the Jets. And now without potentially Milano and Edmonds at linebacker, dude. I'm And a game next week. I hate to say this. Don't kill the messenger. And I know they're going to, but <laughs> the Bills legitimately could be looking at six and five right in their face eight days from now. They're six mm-hmm. and three now. They could be six and five in eight days, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, they could. They could. And going back to the point on Spencer Brown, I've said this last couple of weeks with friends and talking about this and they're like, and they're, they stress the point. It's like, he's so important to the line. They need him. And I'm like, you don't realize what you're saying right now. What you're saying is your team was put together poorly. If a third round pick is vital to your offensive line success. Yeah, You know, I, I get wanting continuity. I understand continuity is a big thing for O-lines. I get it. And you want to have the same guys because they work together team. You know, I get that. Like offensive line is the only real unit where like that's the, the actual case where you need that, where it's really good to have that. But when you got a new guy who's plugged in there and I don't even know if he started the season at right tackle. I don't know if he was or if he came in and then it was just like, oh, he's actually really good. He's better than what we have. Uh, let's go. Um, but if you're miss, missing him and that's the linchpin to your offensive line, you got, you had problems that you had, you had big problems there that you were just ignoring. He didn't start the season. He was, he was going to be a swing tackle coming off the bench. But the problem was Cody Ford was so horrible at right guard. Mm-hmm. They ultimately moved Daryl Williams from right tackle to right guard. And Daryl Williams played good at right tackle last year, but the guard play was so bad. They swung him inside and gave Spencer Brown a shot, and he looks, he has looked really, really good, man. It's just, uh, you know, Sean, it's <laughs> going back to the summer. If you remember, Sean McDermott is usually very bland, very vanilla, mm-hmm. doesn't say much. Um, he was very outspoken about his players getting vaccinated and mm-hmm. that it's a competitive advantage. This is proof. We're seeing it. Teams like Green Bay that, you know, again, they play without, even though they won without Devontae Adams in Arizona, but still, you know, Aaron Rodgers missed a game that they probably win if he plays last week. Mm-hmm. Starlo Tutele, who didn't even play last year because of COVID, who opted out, didn't get vaccinated. I don't want to get into whatever specific. Yeah. I have no idea what the hell's going through his mind. He hasn't talked about it, so I'm not going to put thoughts in his head here behind my microphone. But anyway, he's out. And Spencer Brown's out because of COVID now. And it is a, it's a competitive disadvantage now for the Bills. Sean McDermott was 100% right, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, 
I don't know how more obvious it could have been. And now I, I, I think we're in a weird spot now with COVID because we've been dealing with it for so long that now players who were vaccinated earlier now need boosters. And maybe if they don't get the boosters, now they're getting infected. So it's like, okay, like that's, you know, in, you know, in a sense, it is like the flu where you do need to keep getting your shots, you know, periodically every year, every nine months, whatever it is. And they said that from the get go, but, but if Spencer Brown isn't vaccinated and, you know, based on some of the, you know, the Twitter likes that I've seen pop up on Twitter, not feeling good that he's vaccinated. Um, right. But I mean, like, but to go back to about what McDermott said, like, yeah, it's a competitive advantage to get your shots and like to avoid anything like this happening, you had to do it. And, and instead it's just kind of like, oh, well, if you, if you miss a game or two, what's the big deal? Like, well, the big deal is if you miss a game or two, somebody else in the room gets it, then they miss a game or two. And somebody else in the room gets it, then they miss a game or two. So you're going week to week to week with a, a different guy getting cycled out because, oops, got COVID, you know. And who knows, you know, where down the line that that stops, like with with certain guys, like because you know they they made the bills were you know they they stressed how like they were eighty percent vaccinated or whatever it was, and like that's cool, but out of like a you know a fifty three man roster, I'm not even going to try to do math, but like that's a still a good number of dudes that ain't got the shots that run the risk of missing games. And that me, you know, not, not to mention like all the stuff, you know, practices and crap like that, but man, oh man, like you, you don't want to put yourself down without, you know, you know, in something that was very easily addressed, very easily fixable. Right? And that's the spot that they're in. If that, I mean, if Brown is unvaccinated, which I mean, Hey, maybe he is. And he just likes to make a, likes to crow about it for political reasons. Like who cares? Like if that's your case, fine keep being phony but um but like if but if that's what but like if he's not and he's just doing that and he's just kind of like yeah well i don't need that because whatever cool well congrats if you're six and five after the next two games have fun dealing with a now hulked up patriots team that now has a lot of confidence who might be ahead of you at that point who knows you don't know like we don't know how it's gonna work yeah look man too and there's a lot of people who are still uninformed and they're going to say, well, people are vaccinated are still getting COVID too. And they're right. I mean, that's not wrong. They're right. But Mm -hmm. if you don't know the difference, let me explain to you quickly here. Let's just take Spencer Brown and let's say he is vaccinated. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he has COVID now. If he has, if he has no symptoms, say he has no symptoms come tomorrow, Friday, Friday, people are listening to this. We're taping this Thursday. If he has two negative tests in 24 hours, he'd be able to play. So he would be able to play if he was vaccinated and he has COVID and nobody's heard from him yet as we take this anyway, and he's asymptomatic because that happens a lot. A lot of people get COVID and they don't have symptoms. He has two negative tests, 24 hours apart. That's what it is. 24 hours apart, two negative tests. So he could test on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. and be negative and then test again Sunday at 9 a.m. and be negative. Unlikely, but it could happen. Again, if you're asymptomatic, he'd be able to play. Or at the mm-hmm. very least, he certainly would be able to play next week. If you're unvaccinated, the protocol is in the NFL, minimum 10 days. So if he's unvaccinated and, and he's chilling right now and he feels great, don't matter. He ain't playing Sunday and he ain't playing next Thursday against the Saints either if he's unvaccinated. I just want to throw that out there. Then the other thing, and you kind of alluded to this, a lot of and this and it annoys me, man. A lot of people who use the mega stuff and 
you know, freedom and this and that and all that other bullshit who won't get vaccinated for that reason. Dude, the leader, Donald Trump and most of these Republican fucking leaders are all vaccinated. Mm-hmm. They're all vaccinated. So I don't even know where this shit comes from, man. These guys who are, you know, the mega guys, and you're talking about Spencer Brown and a lot of the likes. I'll talk about a lot of them, the Trump shit that he mm-hmm. likes and stuff, this and that. Donald Trump's vaccinated. A lot of these guys, a lot of these biggest Republicans, the ones who talk the most shit, are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'm it's frustrated. I'm frustrated, Joe, because from I'm frustrated because of the football side. Again, I really don't give a shit what anyone does in their personal life until it affects me. And I guess as a Bills fan, it affects me. It does. And it certainly, who cares about me or gives a shit about what you think or, or being a fan, but it affects your team. That matters because mm-hmm. you, you're not getting vaccinated and it directly affects the team. The culture are a dangerous football team. Mm-hmm. I think the Colts are a dangerous team if the Bills are healthy. No Spencer Brown, potentially no Star Latutale, no Jermaine Edmonds, potentially no Matt Milano. I, I know they're still going to be favored. I don't even think the Bills should be favored this game anymore. And then they got to go on the road next week. Like I said, unpopular opinion. A lot of people don't want to hear this, and I hope I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. we could be having this while we're doing casual Wednesday. If we were doing a normal casual Friday next week, we could be talking about the Bills being six and five. It's very possible. Remember when, don't don't, remember when I told you don't count? Remember when I told you don't count New England out? Don't yep. count New England out. Mm-hmm. Well, they're they keep. I don't know. I, I don't know if teams are going and playing against them and thinking like, ah, they get, Bloom's going to come off the rose at some point. Mm, not yet. Not yet. I mean, they again, they have flaws, but it's you know, but it's still Belichick in charge, and he knows he knows how to to dip around those flaws. Like he knows what to do there. And as far as you know, the Colts being favored over the Bills, we I wouldn't go that far, but. That line is a lot more is a lot closer than you'd expect for a team that scores as many points as the Bills do. That's for sure. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, originally in my notes that I have for today's show, I wanted to do um, Buffalo Bills midseason awards, even though because of the stupid 17-game season, it's not technically, I guess, the midpoint. Like, we probably should have done this at halftime in the last game. That would have been the actual midseason part. But again, the COVID stuff came up, and we we had to spend some time talking about that. I do still, and and I mean literally want to fly through these. I have some... Um, again, Bill's mid-season awards, good and bad, 
prepared. I'm going to throw them out there. We'll fly through most of them. Maybe I'll get a thought or two from you along the way, see if you agree or not. And then we'll talk Sabres and we're going to do our starting five draft, of course, like we do every week. Um, I'm just going to jump right into it. So these are best and worst. Bill's mid-season awards. Worst game, Jacksonville. They lose 9-6. I mean, come on. There's no, there's no explanation. Mm-hmm. Let's just skip that. Best game, and I think you agree with this too, was the Kansas City game. 38-20. Yep. They beat them Sunday night football. We talked about this on the show. I think it was important for the Bills not just to win that game because of the standings and getting the W, but because they needed to mentally get over that hump, knowing they could beat mm-hmm. Kansas City. And it was one thing if they would have beat them by a field goal, like 24-21, but they beat, they kind of kicked their ass. And I and I think that yeah. really uh, puts them on another level mentally, knowing that they could beat them in the playoffs. I'm sure you agree with that. Here's where, <laughs> and this is, I'm laughing because rookie of the year. Guess who I have down right now? Spencer Brown. Yeah. I have Spencer Brown as my rookie of the year. You know, I mean, a lot of people might say Gregory Rizzo, you know, first round pick, and he did make some good plays mm-hmm. as well. He, But Spencer Brown clearly makes his offensive line better. And he looks like a future stud. In fact, he kind of looks like a stud right now, man. Um, mm-hmm. He started four games. It's not going to be five because of COVID, but he started four games this year. The lines look good. We saw what happens conversely when he's not there. That Jacksonville game, it was just Hideous, man. It was, it, it was terrible. Even so, even that Pittsburgh game. They didn't start the Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh game was, the line got blown up in that game too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, man. it was the first yeah. game of the year, but like still. No, no, you're right. Um, And again, Gregor Rizzo, he probably might be the more popular choice. I mean, he's played with three sacks. Uh, mm-hmm. Had that interception on Mahomes. That was a really nice play. He's got five tackles for a loss. Go through the stats here. He deserves consideration, but I think, I feel like he's kind of slowed down lately where Spencer Brown has ascended and, He's made this entire offensive line better. So mm-hmm. I had Spencer Brown as my rookie of the year. Uh, most pleasant surprise, I got Mitch Morse, the center. And he didn't look good last year. He wasn't healthy last year. Many thought he could be cut or should be cut to save money. He's been the only one on this offensive line this entire year who's been consistent. Deion Dawkins has been very up and down. We've talked about mm-hmm. that. Darrell Williams has not played as well as he did last year. Feliciano's been nope. terrible. Um mm-hmm. Cody Ford, I mean, what are you going to say? You know, Spencer Brown hasn't played enough to be considered consistent this year. Mitch Morse has been consistent as hell. So I have him as my most pleasant surprise. And then I had Gregory Rizzo as like an honorable mention. Again, he was a first-round rookie. Joe, I remember we talked about a little bit, and we heard a lot from a lot of experts. He was like a project. He wasn't expected to do much. A developmental Mm -hmm. guy, so to speak, even though he was a first-rounder. But he's been an impact player at times. So I have him on the list. Uh, Mario Addison, I think, has played pretty well this year. I thought he was yeah. washed up. Dawson Knox, he's he's been an important asset to this offense when he's been mm-hmm. healthy this year. That was surprising. It's funny. I go back to taping a podcast with Perino and Nate Gary at Mulberry, and we were talking about Dawson Knox being a you know a red flag going into camp, and he was literally sitting at the table next to us. I talked about that on the show before. <laughs> but you agree. Like Mitch Morris, he's been a pleasant surprise this year to you, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't as if offensive line is funny because I look at it as like defenseman in hockey. Like if I don't if I don't know your name and I've, and I don't know that you're there, you're doing a good job. Yeah, you know? like if things are quiet and the quarterback's got time and the running you know running backs have got lanes and whatever, like whatever you need them to do, they're taking care of business. You don't know that they're there. Yeah, like yeah, and, you know unless they're like pancaking everybody, then it's like oh yeah. shit, they're killing everybody. Yeah. That's cool. 
Especially um, your center. If your center, yeah, if they're mentioning centers are very ignored. He missed a block or he fumbled, you know, a bad botch snap to Josh Allen or something like that. It's the mm-hmm. only time you'll usually hear Mitch Morse's name. But yeah. I would, uh, I, another guy I'd throw in there is Ed Oliver. I think Oliver's yeah. had a really strong season. I mean, you know, stars, he needs, I think he needs star next to him. Uh, but I think Oliver, I think Oliver's had a lot more big moments. Uh, big, you know, tackles for loss, sacks, you know, what have you. Um, I think he's, I think he's had a really nice, I, I know everybody's like kind of waiting for him to like have a dominant season, but I think he's had a really nice season to this point. I'll, I'll reply to that in a second because I have him listed with another <laughs> award. All right. Uh-oh. So we said most pleasant surprise. <laughs> Biggest disappointment is, is definitely for me, Cody Ford. I mean, he came in healthy this mm-hmm. year after the injuries. We thought the injuries were the problem last year. He's had every opportunity in the world to win and keep that starting guard job, and he just he hasn't gotten it done, man. You know, I'm not going to sit here and bash him as a human being, as a person. He's probably a really good guy, man, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it's physical limitations. I don't know if, if it's mental problems. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is, but he's not the answer at guard. He's going to be gone after the season. And the fact that it's very likely that if, not if, Spencer Brown won't be playing, if they move Darrell Williams back to guard and take another chance and they move two positions around, because that tells you how bad they don't want Cody Ford in there. That's uh, that's an indictment on him. Uh, the yeah. punter, Matt Hawk, deserves consideration. But, dude, I just don't fucking care enough about a punter to, yeah. to call him the biggest disappointment. If, and, you, um, if, you didn't, if you didn't say his name, I was going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been a it's disappointment. No, it's noticeable. He's bad. Yeah, I thought he was going to be, you know, I knew he wasn't a boomer, but he was supposed to be like this guy who was really good at directional punting and pinning guys mm-hmm. deep. And where is that shit? I, <laughs> I haven't seen it. But, he, again, I, he's a punter. I, I guess can't. he's a really good holder, though. So I guess that makes the difference between him and Bajorka. So, well, hey, Tyler Bass has been great kicking the ball. Um, And then one other guy, too, is F.A. Obata. But I really don't think it's his fault. There's a lot yeah. of hype on him this summer, but he just really hasn't had the opportunity. So that was the biggest disappointments. Then I got my unsung hero. And for me, this was pretty easy, at least. Um, Levi Wallace. I- I'm going yeah. to say this again. He is the weak link of the secondary but he's only the weak link of the secondary because of how amazing the rest of the secondary is. You got mm-hmm. Jordan Poyer, you got Micah Hyde, arguably the best safety tandem in the NFL. Trey White's a Pro Bowl corner. Teron Johnson's become one of the best nickel corners in the NFL. He just got a nice extension. Nobody, so yeah, if Levi is the weak link, it's just because of how good everyone else is. You know, mm-hmm. He's had two interceptions. He's played well. He's earning himself a really nice payday. Uh, it's going to be an interesting decision this offseason for Brandon Bean because... Levi Wallace re-signed last year for only one year and $1.2 million. Ain't going to be the same this time around. Mm-mm. He's played well this year, and he's kind of went under the radar because he's one of those guys that fans, at least they used to, like to kind of pick. you got to pick out somebody, right? Mm-hmm. So it would be Levi Wallace. I, I think he's been really, really good this year. Yeah, I, and you know what? For Corners are costly. Um, so if, he, you know, if somebody comes calling and they want to give him a lot of money, okay, hey, thanks for your service. Uh, good yeah. luck. Yeah, good yeah, luck to yeah. you. You know, because yeah. if he's the man somewhere else, eh, it might be a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Um, honorable mention too. You talked about Matt Hawk holding. Well, Tyler Bass. I, I think he's been awesome kicking them. Nineteen of twenty for field goals. All twenty nine of his extra points. So he's been a uh, an unsung hero. You know, you don't spend a lot of time mm-hmm. talking about the kicker, but he, he's been a significant role. Um, I, all right, I got best and worst off season transactions, and they're both resignings to me. I think the best one was resigning Matt Milano. Um, I thought most of us thought he was going to be gone and he was going to get this mm-hmm. huge deal somewhere else. He ended up, I think it was like four years, $44 million 
He re-signed before free agency even started. I think it was a really good win for Bean. Um, I know he's, again, he's injured again. but And that's been the concern with him. And it is kind of rearing his ugly head. But when he's out there, which has been most of the season, I think he's played at a level at linebacker on par with the best linebackers in the NFL. He's been mm-hmm. that good to me. Um, so I, I'm glad he was back. I think that was a great re-signing. Conversely, the worst, re-signing John Feliciano. They gave him three years, $14 million. Forget about the money. Who gives a shit about the money? But by re-signing him, what they did is they said they were content with the interior offensive line. And I think that was a big mistake. They didn't mm-hmm. draft any guards. They didn't sign any significant guards in free agency. And John Feliciano has not played well. He didn't play well before the injury. He's been on injury reserve. He's going to be coming. He could come back. He's eligible to come back against the Saints next week. I think, you know, the interior line is going to be a top, priority maybe the top priority in this offseason you know for all Brandon Bean's hits and he's had a lot of them the mm. way they've handled their guard position with with trading Wyatt Teller cutting Quinn in Spain who both are really good now mm-hmm. um it's been a it's, it's been a, a sore spot for the Bills and I, I I just I didn't love the John Feliciano resigning at the time and now I really hate it so yeah with Teller in Spain though was that them just not being patient enough for him or they were just kind of like yeah whatever we can lose him well, was, I don't know. I don't know. It's a great, it's a great question. I, I, they didn't know what they had in Wyatt Teller because he didn't, wasn't even really playing much before they traded him mm-hmm. to Cleveland. Now well, when he did play, he seemed to commit a lot of penalties yeah, from what yeah, I recall. Yeah, so yeah, they, I mean, they, I, I yeah. get it, but also like, I don't know, maybe get a better Itchy look at trigger, it. I guess. I, I don't know. But all I know now is he's one of the best guards in the NFL. He just got a mega deal. And yep. Quinn in Spain has been really good with the Bengals. He's a weird case. I don't know what it is with him. He got he an extension. Very good here. He was. He, a, he got an extension. Yeah, he earned an extension. He was a starter. He got benched. I think there might have been some locker room stuff, and mm-hmm. then next thing you know, he's cut. But anyway, point being, John Feliciano to me wasn't the answer. They could have done better. I, I didn't like that signing. Um, best and worst plays. All right, best play to me that Kansas City game that thirty-five yard touchdown pass. Josh Allen on a rope to Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders. Yeah. Absolutely perfect throw. The previous drive, the Chiefs had taken a 10-7 lead. And, I'm, you know, early second quarter, started to get a little concerned. Josh got the ball back, and, and he just threw a perfect pass to, to Sanders. Touchdown. Mm-hmm. And from there, the Bills went on. They never lost a lead again. They won. That was the best play. Worst play, I, I think this one's kind of obvious. Josh Allen slipping a little bit on that fourth and inches mm-hmm. in Tennessee. Yeah. You know, If that doesn't happen, they win that football game. You know, they probably, or I shouldn't say for mm-hmm. sure. They very, More very, very, likely. very likely win that football the, game. You talk about talk. the interior line. The interior yeah. line of that play failed very miserably. It did. <laughs> because they did. Because the D tackle was was there right was almost there waiting to yeah. To, yeah. to grab Allen. So and and so we're clear. So I'm not hypocritical because we talked about this that following uh, Friday. I didn't hate the play call. I liked going no, for it, and I did not. Hate, I liked the sneak call to Allen. It was just the execution. So it was the worst play. Um, this guy you talked about, my best development of the season is at Oliver. I think he's starting to develop into a, a star player. He's been he's been a standout the last couple weeks, and he's mm-hmm. playing at a level now that I think a top ten pick should. Now he's not ever going to be a big stats guy. He's never going to have nine ten sacks, and and I think stats could be overrated. But you want to see some numbers, some impact plays from a top ten pick, and he's just been like so so early on for me in his career. Mm-hmm. You know. He's been all right, but then he disappears. I, I think you're starting to see this year, and especially, again, over the last month or so, and I'm glad you brought him up. 
He's playing like a defensive tackle that can impact the game with mm-hmm. game-changing plays. Yeah. He's my best and he, development. He And like being an interior D lineman like that, it's not always about like just being like a standout super guy. I mean, like I, I think of a guy like Indomitian and Sue when he was with Detroit and like he was the focus of that line because, you know, they didn't have a whole lot else. I mean, they, they had, the line was okay, but like Sue was such a focus because he was a maniac and he was, you know, he's stepping on guys. He's like, he's being a jackass, but man, oh man, I think back to that playoff game against Dallas. He was the he was the one dude that was in Tony Romo's face the entire game, and it was yeah. like not even just like you know getting sacks or whatever, just putting pressure on, blowing up the line, doing whatever. Ed Oliver's doing a lot of that same kind of stuff, just without without you know fifteen yard penalties, of, you know, and stepping on guys and creating controversy. Yeah. He's but like he's he's blowing dudes up, he's getting in the backfield, and he's he's causing problems, and that's what you need your your inner your inner line to do. Like if you can cause problems there, you can make it easier for your ends to get around. Yeah, and a lot of people would say Starla Tutelay is the reason why he's playing better, but he didn't yeah. play again. Against the Jets, he didn't play, and Ed Oliver was still uh, mm-hmm. dominant. Worst development, and we've talked about this several times, it's the Bills, how scary thin they are on the offensive line right now. I mean, again, Spencer Brown, they hoped he was going to be a, a swing tackle. He was prematurely forced into a starting role, and he's handled it well, but again, now he's got COVID. I hated Darrell Williams. Um having to go back and forth. You know, he was a mm-hmm. tackle last year. You move him into guard, you put Spencer Brown in right tackle, and I like that combination. But then somebody gets hurt, and, and now Darrell Williams has to swing back out the tackle, and I thought he was lousy against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So I like him at guard. The, the fifth-round rookie, Tommy Doyle, he ain't ready to play tackle yet. Um, mm-hmm. Feliciano's hurt and then played great before that. We talked about that. Cody Ford, sorry, man. He's, just, he's been terrible. Ike Bakker should be a depth guy. He's a mm-hmm. regular starter now at left guard because Cody Ford's so bad. Uh, guys like Bobby Hard and Forrest Lamp, they brought these veterans in for camp. Did not work out. Uh, Jamil Douglas is another one. He's only on the practice squad. So I think the Bills offensive line and the thinness of it, they can't afford injuries or COVID. Mm-hmm. It's thin. To me, that's the worst development. Honorable mention, I know they, they had their moments against the Jets and they've had a couple of moments throughout the year, but the Bills running backs, I, I'm just... Whatever. It's I, disappointing. Like it's they're not a running team. Like I think people have it. In, right. A lot of people have it in their mind that like you need a running game. A friend of mine loves. I don't know if if half of it's a meme, half of it's a joke. But he's always just like, man, they got to run the ball more. And it's like pretty clear that they're not going to like running the ball is not their thing. The running back's there to help pick up blitzes. He's there to swing out of the backfield for passes, and he's there to occasionally offset things so Allen can do the play actions. But like. As far as like carrying the ball 20, 20 times a game, that that ain't happening, man. Like that, no. you know, you get Moss for your hard yards, you get Singletary to try to give you some speed yards, but they're getting like what less than two yards a carry at this point. The, yeah. the, pass, the well, short passing some games, games they are, and they're and yeah. games that they lose, they are. I mean, they pad their stats and they have good numbers against the Jets. But as a whole, I should, you know, it's tough to call that a worse development because as, as I'm reflecting, kind of we didn't we didn't expect that much. I expected yeah. more from the Bills' offensive line, and again, that's uh, that's the worst development. Last two here, team MVP. I, I'm, that's going to be second last. It's, it's Josh Allen. It's got to yeah. be Josh Allen. His numbers: twenty six hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns, sixty six percent completions, only six interceptions. He's got what three hundred twenty two yards rushing, three touchdowns. His stats. It doesn't feel that way because I think last year was such a pleasant surprise, whereas this year was an expectation. Mm-hmm. But I've I've looked at the numbers. I've seen them. They're incredibly on par with last year. He hasn't mm-hmm. improved. He hasn't 
regressed from 2020. And considering he was an MVP caliber player last year, uh, I'll sign up for that for the next 10 years. The way he's playing right now, I'll sign up for that for the next 10 years. And if he's sure. not MVP, then who is? You know what I mean? So yeah. he the is only the other MVP. guy I'd pick is Diggs, honestly. Like Diggs yeah. is the other one because I think I think what we've seen the last few weeks is that this offense is a lot better when Allen's looking at Diggs. Because there was a couple of a couple oh, yeah. of those, like the Jacksonville game, he barely went to like he finally went to Diggs in the fourth quarter and they started moving the ball. And you're like, yeah. where's this been? It's like, was he smothered covered? Like, I don't like we don't know. I, I I'm not watching the all 22 tape. Forget that. Like I ain't doing I ain't doing that stuff. But like Throw it to Diggs, like your your offense opens up so much more in the pass game. Well, we saw it against the Jets. I mean, granted, they're well, the, Jets, the Jets, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, we saw it. They were going to him no matter what. Um, I should also throw out too. This is half midseason awards, so Diggs still has eight more games to, oh, yeah. to to build a strong case as well. All right, so I saved this one for last. Defensive player of the year, not because it's like the most important one. Like MVP is always going to be normally mm-hmm. last. The reason why I did this one last is because. Kind of created a little bit of drama here. It was the hardest one to pick. There's there's legitimately yeah. four or five candidates that you can make a case, a strong case for defensive player of the year. Ultimately, I'm going with Jordan Poyer. Uh, I think mm. he's been great. This year. He's got four interceptions. That's just like one off from his career high already. Uh, he's got a sack, four tackles for a loss. And I'm not a big advanced stats guy, to be honest with you. But mm. Joe from Queens pointed this out to me, and I took a look at it. Um, he's number one in the entire NFL quarterback ratings thrown at him. The quarterback rating is only 42.9% or something like that. I saw this on pro football reference advanced stats. Point being is he's dead first in the entire NFL and quarterbacks having the lowest rating thrown at him. By the way, there are other bills. How many many passes though? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I don't know that, but he's been fantastic. And, uh, It'll be a crime if he's not an. I know he's going to make the Pro Bowl if he's not all pro this year. Everybody but anyway, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> like I said, dude, I think Tremaine Edmonds has played. I mean, he's gotten slowed down with the injury, but I think he's finally played as to his potential. I think he's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make a strong case for Teron Johnson, who I think is the best mm-hmm. nickel corner in the NFL. Uh, Micah Hyde has been amazing. Trey White's been consistently good. Again, you, they don't throw at him a lot, and and that's mm-hmm. testament to him. Um, even Matt Milano, I mean, maybe now the injuries, you know, he's missed a little bit too much time to be considered point. And, and hell, and don't add Oliver's name in there too, defensive player of the year. He, he's mm-hmm. again, he's been dominant for a lot of this season. Now <laughs> the bills defense is really good is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And this was a Jordan Poyer to me by a tiny margin over Teron Johnson is my defensive MVP right now. I, I, I can't really have any fault with that. I mean, the defense, I, you're right. P- take your pick of, of guys who have had outstanding years. And I think their secondary is really where a lot is where most of their strength is at. You know, I, th- I think what they do with the line is good, you know, keeping guys fresh, rotating guys in and out doing, you know, because if you got seven, eight guys that you can run out there that you have confidence that can start. Like, absolutely. Just, you know, yeah. if you can, if you can keep fresh legs going at guys that are getting tired, that are getting ground down in the O line, that's awesome. Um, the linebackers, yeah, linebackers are weird now. Cause like, you know, teams aren't, it's not like, it's not like the eighties, nineties where you're running a four, three or a three, four, and you need like three, four dominant linebackers. Bills have got two really good ones and that's really all they need. You know, I mean, AJ Klein comes, can step in there and be okay. Um, and like, the, but those guys play great. Uh, but the secondary is where the bread's buttered as far, as far as I'm concerned, because they, because any side of that field, anywhere the quarterback's going to throw, you've either got Poyer waiting underneath for him or hide, or you're throwing at Trey white. Good luck. 
where you got Levy Wallace or you got Taron Johnson or one of those guys hanging hanging around there, and it's like, okay, I don't I don't like how any of that sets up at all. Like I makes throwing around very very difficult. I want to spend a couple minutes here talking Sabres and we'll wrap up with our starting five. Um, so we're taping this Thursday afternoon. So again, we can't talk about a Calgary game that, mm-hmm. that hasn't happened. Uh, who knows what the tone might be if we were taping this <laughs> after that game. Uh, as the things stand out, seven, six and two through 15 games are tied for fifth in the Atlantic. Dustin Tokarski, okay, 45 saves. I don't, I haven't watched. Well, you know what? That's not true. I've watched a decent amount of the games this year, okay? More mm-hmm. than typical. Um, he was fucking phenomenal that game. It was like a Dominic Hassan game. <laughs> Let me ask you this, and, and I almost feel like it's kind of like I'm making a joke, but I'm being like semi-serious. When it comes to to this goalie, has have the Sabres like caught lightning in a bottle with this guy, or is he just some, is he a journeyman who's just, you know, on a nice little run right now. Like, what are your thoughts on him? It's, I think it's more the latter. Uh, I think he's, he's had a nice, he's had a nice run here. Um, that game against Pittsburgh, the, it's like I said, after the game, the, the team had better buy him everything he ever wanted <laughs> to, yeah. as, as a thank you, because they spent the last 15 minutes of that of game time, last 15 minutes of game time of that game, was it was played in the Sabres end of the ice and Pittsburgh probably should have scored four or five times with the plays that they had, because the whole period is just like, well, here it comes. They're going to lose because they Sabres have been falling apart in third periods all year. Um, they've had struggles in the third period, but you know, Tokarski played great. I, you know, I think part of that is because, you know, that's a playing against your old team kind of pump up there uh, in Tokarski's case. Um, but he's played very solid. Um, I, I I think it's I think it's a product of how well the team around him is playing as a unit, um, because they're it, it's like they're getting bombarded with shots, and it wasn't like a thing where it's like well they keep blowing this they keep blowing like they weren't making mistakes they weren't like create you know causing their own turnovers and and you know making things a little bit stressful it was stressful because Pittsburgh was just like screw this we're we can't lose to these guys Are you kidding me it doesn't matter how many guys they got out and you know their coach has COVID and all this all this other stuff but like. It didn't matter because they they just flexed. Like Jeff, you know, get Jeff Carter and Sidney Crosby still out there. You know, Sidney Crosby, Sidney Crosby. Jeff Carter's one of the you know is a great goal scorer. Um, you know, J, you know Jake Gensel, all those guys. Like they're it's good. Like Pittsburgh's at their issues, but still they put like it felt like they put like twenty five shots into Carson in the last fifteen minutes, and yeah. he held his ground. Like he he was on top of everything. Like that's. That's a focused performance, man. And, you know, kudos to him for for doing it because I, I think the thought coming out of camp was that he, you know, he beats out Aaron Dell, which you're like, of course he did. You know, he, I hope he did because Aaron Dell was awful in in camp. But you're thinking like, boy, I hope he doesn't have to start too many games, you know, because <laughs> it might might get a little rough because it got rough last year. You know, granted, different team, different setup, the whole thing. But uh, but no, you know, good for him. I I'm not going to say like they caught lightning in a bottle. I ain't saying that. <laughs> no, I ain't saying that yet, man. But so you're, not, you're not saying at 32 years old that the guy's reborn no. and he's going to have a you know, he's going to be the no. starting goalie, I mean, or the number get, one goalie for the next seven years. You get funny stories like that happen sometimes, but it's yeah. But like they they didn't find their number one starter accidentally here. Um, but they just got a guy who's settled in a little bit and like 
that's good. Like he hasn't, you know, he's never really gotten a shot in the NHL, which honestly didn't really deserve it considering how he played the Myers. Um, but like, Hey, take it and run with it for what it's worth. That's what the, the Sabres season motto for like the end of the year video, which nobody creates any of those anymore nice. should be <laughs> take it and run with it. Just, we're just taking it, and run with it. Enjoy it for what it is. Um, you know, the difference between this team and previous teams, I find myself personally, and I, and I hope, more people are like this as well. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be honest with you. And this is a fucked up, it's a loser mentality. And I admit to it. Okay. And I think maybe this team is just part of this losing culture. It seems to have so long. I find myself, once I realize that they're not a playoff team, which usually is right away, mm-hmm. I root for them to lose. I continuously root for them to lose. I say, well, you know, they're not going to be in the playoffs anyway. Let's have one more year. Like I could see somebody saying, you know, this team's a couple years away. And even if you feel, you know, better about the future, you still say, well, they're not good yet. How about one more year of getting a top five pick and this and that? That's been my attitude. It ain't no more. I want this team to win as many games as humanly possible, man. I don't care about draft pick consequence. I don't care if it takes them out of the Shane Wright sweepstakes realistically. I feel like you have these guys like Cousins and Middlestad and and Darlene and I I could go on and on and on. These guys need to experience as much winning as possible. Don't you feel that that is significantly more important, especially being around a losing culture? Well, not these guys haven't been around for a long time, but just this organizational is just, you know, they're losers, man. And winning as many games as they can right now, even if it costs you, if you're picking 12th instead of third, winning is more important right now. Even if you got no chance of making the playoffs, am I right? Yeah. Or no, no, you're, you're, you're totally right. And that cloud of, it's not even mediocrity. It's sub mediocrity that's hung over everything, you know, since what, since Darcy uttered the words, there's got to be some suffering. Like that's, that's been the cloud over top of everything for, for that long. Um, that that's kind of hung around, but I think to your point where you're just like, I don't care about number one picks. Is that because he got like, you know, draft burnout at this point. I think, I think at some point the fans reach that level where it's just like, I don't care about these picks anymore. Just give me yeah. some friggin' wins. Like yeah. you got that way in Edmonton and then they, <laughs> then they won the McDavid lottery. <laughs> so they're just kind of like, Whoa, okay. See, it works out. Everything That's a great works point. For, for That's a, a great point. Jack Eichel, second overall pick gone, traded Sam Reinhardt, second overall pick gone, traded. First overall pick fourth year. Lots of criticism going on with this guy right now, which yeah. before we get to our 75 draft, I mean, we've talked about him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing improvement in his play lately or is it like just more of the same? All right. Is it legit worrisome yet? Or should we have the mindset that, hey, man, the guy's still really young and he's still learning? Or do you feel like at this point he should be playing like not just a little bit better? Because, of course, he should be playing better. Shouldn't he, should he be significantly better than he is right now? It seems like a lot of other good young defensemen are playing a lot better than he is. I'm at the point with him where the question I ask now is, okay, what's going on here? Because for every good thing that I see him do, there's something where you're just kind of like, what the heck, man? Like, where's this coming from? Like, what, you know, what is causing this? What's the, what's, what's the glitch? What is, what is making, you know, what's making this happen? Because I think right now, you could make an argument that of the six defensemen that they're rolling out every night, he's their worst one. Wow. And he's playing the most time. And I don't That's like saying scary. that. I don't like saying that. Um, 
but I see what Granado and and his and his guys are doing. They're 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 tinkering with trying to figure it out. Like they're not just running them out there in the same situations every time, every night, just saying like, all right, let's let's you know, eventually he's gonna get it. They're doing different stuff. Like, you know, they put Mark Pezik with him. They're giving him more defensive zone starts as opposed to just keeping him in the O zone and saying, like, all right, start here, get it going there. They're starting him in the D zone more, which I think is a is a way to kind of take the stress off him offensively. Because I think there's a lot of pressure on him to just, you know, step up the offensive game and just go go bananas. But his defensive game has been poor. So they're like, okay, let's let's try to find a way to kind of balance, you know, figure things out and and try to get to the bottom of this. But um, but of of everybody out there, I mean, your best your best deep pairing right now is Bryson and Miller, without without a doubt. Um, I think for a while it was Hagen, uh, Pesic, but like you know they're playing, they're getting lesser matchups, they're playing fewer minutes. Like it's a little easier for them. I don't want to say it's easier, but like they're getting, they're not getting the 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 hard hours out there. You know, like they're getting getting things a little easier. But now it's you know now it's Hag with Butcher, which eh, it's fine. Like it's it's not as good as it was with um uh with Pesic, but like you put Pesic with Dalin because you're thinking like, all right, Pesic's gonna take care of like he's Pesic's your solid veteran now. Like he's gonna take care of his business and that's that. But Darlene, it's he's been better, but like it's still still really like, come on, dude, like like what happened here? Like what's what's the deal? What's what's going on? And I think I honestly and I've I talked about this with Chad before. I've talked about this with a couple other people. I think he just really needs a sports psychologist. Get out of your own damn head. You know, just get back, you know, get back to like what made hockey fun for you and try to get back into that, that headspace as opposed to I've got all the pressure in the world. I'm a number one pick. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Like you, you're out there, you start doing that, that kind of shit. And you're just, you're, you're in your head constantly and you can't, cannot play hockey when you're thinking. Which sounds what, crazy, but like you can't do it. What you're saying, and I obviously put a lot of stock and, and value into your perspective on on hockey things, especially, is that stats can be overrated. Because I'm telling you, man, if I didn't watch a second of a game this year, mm-hmm. and I just uh, did nothing but look at the stats, and I didn't follow it at all, and I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the advanced metrics with stuff that the majority of people have no clue, just your typical right. old school stats. And you look at Rasmus Dahlin and you're like, all right, 15 games, two goals, eight points. And he's a plus one on a very mediocre hockey team. You look yeah. at those stats, you'd be like, man, I, you know, I'll sign up for that. But not really. You shouldn't but sign also up for like, that. But also, like, how many of them have come on the power play? I think that's, I think that's a big question because, you know, you can, you can get fat on power play stats. Like, that's... You know, that's that. I mean, that's something that that is a big deal. Like, you can't be doing that. I'm just taking a quick look here. Uh, yeah, three of his eight but, points are on the power play. All right. So, I mean, that's it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it's but uh, it's it's also this these stats don't they don't um they're not symbolic of his defensive struggles, which is what you right. just spent a lot of time talking about, which has been right. the the fatal flaw to this point anyway mm-hmm. in his yes. game. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's tough because I mean, there is a, you know, I said this before the season, there's going to be a lot of attention paid to him because now he's the guy like he's, he's the number one defenseman. Like he's, and he's got to play like it. Um, And right now he hasn't played like it, which is, which is difficult. Um, Especially when the team is doing, is performing better, honestly. And you're, you're not seeing him go along with that. Like that's, 
that's tough. Like you don't, you don't like seeing that, but I mean, you know, just looking at like some graphs and stuff, I know people hate the graphs and, and whatever, like they think it's craziness, but I mean, you know, that's a defense, great conversation. That's a good, I want to yeah. hear what you're going to tell me before that though. I, I was, <laughs> a thought popped in my mind, man. That's a great conversation for us to have. I'm going to have you, I want to have, I want to have Chad on at the same time sometime. We're going to have a nice discussion about educating simple-minded hockey folk like myself on what so many stats are, but use one of them to, to illustrate your point. I know you're about yeah, to do that. It's like, I, I love seeing like the illustrated stuff because you get an idea of like where their impacts are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh hockeyviz.com is a great site for that. You got to pay for it, you know, pay for it for one month just to check it out and get an idea of like what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at Darlene's numbers and like, you know, his even strength offense, he, he helps generate a lot of offense in front of the net. Um, or maybe he's just not shooting a ton from, from out high. Um, like there, there's that part of it. Like he's, you know, there's, there's a little bit that he's doing from like the top of the zone and, you know, a little bit from the left circle, but defensively, like, you know, the middle of the zone where that's where all the business is going to happen is, you know, right in the slot area. But like, there's a little bit of red there, which you don't like on defense. You like it on offense. You don't like it on defense, but like, on his side of the ice, kind of blue. You know, you're not seeing the hard colors. You don't want the deep reds and blues on. You don't want the deep reds on defense, and you don't want the deep blues on offense. Neither of them are there. He's just there. And I think when you're a number one pick, you need to be more than that. You need to be way more than that. So that, I, I think that's where it comes from. You don't want to. You know, you when you t- get a number one pick, you don't want to be like, well, he's a nice number three defenseman. <laughs> you, you, that's not what you're looking for. You know, it's funny. Uh, it reminds me of, of Ed Oliver talk a lot where we say Ed Oliver's been pretty good. It has been pretty goddamn good. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he would be great. If he was a third round pick, I'd be like, oh, man, Ed Oliver's a great f- football player. But when mm-hmm. you're a top 10 pick, you need to be an impact player. You need to be a game changer. Yep. That's kind of like where we are right now. And again, room to grow. There is room to grow for Darlene. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if he was a third round pick, a second round pick, you know, like, yeah, this guy's good. But he's the yeah. first overall pick, a generational talent. Mm-hmm. And when you look at, and when you factor that into what he's doing, yeah. then I could see where you're, you totally because, would arrive at that. And it's, it's also because the comparisons change. If you're taken in the second and third round, you start looking at other second and third round guys that have gone right. there and you're like, wow, he's better than them. Instead, he's the number one pick. So he's getting compared to Eric Carlson. He's getting compared to Victor Hedman. You know, you know, Hedman was a number two pick Carlson. Uh, he was like a mid first round pick. I think I'm going, yeah, I'm going way back, but like Carlson at 21 years old scored 70 points. Darlene's 21 right now. If he gets 70 points, holy shit, what a rest of the season he's, <laughs> he's having. But like, but like, that's what you're, but like, that's, those are the kind of guys you're up against, you know, like, you know, Hedman's won the, the Norris the last two years. Like Carlson's won a Norris. He's been, you know, one of the, probably the best scoring defensemen of this current generation. Like those are very, very high expectations and it's tough, but you, you do need more out of them. You do need more. And like, I, I don't like saying that he's possibly their weakest link on defense, but I don't know, man. Like it's, it's hard because I look at the way the, uh, some of these other guys are playing and granted their expectations are different than Darlene's, but they're just performing better. Like they're, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing better play out of them overall. I have avoided starting five for as long as I possibly can. Um, <laughs> God. All right, so are you last not happy week, about this one? You, I, I thought not, this was a great pick. I'm not. I'm not happy about last week. Last oh. week we did rock bands, mm-hmm. and Joe won sixty eight percent. What a shocker! I lose oh, not sixty nine. Thirty thirty two percent. Let's recap the, the the picks. 
Well, let me tell you why I'm pissed off. Anyway, Joe, 68%, <laughs> the Rolling Stones, the Who, Led Zeppelin, Metallica, Nirvana. That's about as flawless as a lineup as you can get. I don't have a problem with losing, by the way. I had 32%. I have mm. the Beatles, Queen, Van Halen, Tom Petty, the Heartbreakers, and U2. I, I'm, here's why I'm mad. And myself. U2. I fished for votes last week <laughs> with, by picking you two. I fished for votes. I did. I admitted mm -hmm. that I've never done that. I've gotten pummeled in some of these polls. I've mm -hmm. won a, a poll here and there, but I've always stayed true to, to picks that I like. I don't even like you two that much, man. I fished for votes. I figured they would be popular and a lot of people would vote for them. And I got pummeled for it. And rightfully so, by the way. You forgot that they crammed an album on everybody's iTunes. I that everybody was I, like, what the hell, man? Come on. I, I respect you two. They've been around for a long time. They've been making good music for a long time. But to consider them amongst the top five or ten best rock bands ever is a fucking joke. All right? <sighs> it was a joke. And <sighs> shame on Sal Capaccio and shame on Sal Mariano, these big U2 fans, because I was thinking of them in my mind <laughs> when I made this pick. It was a horrible pick. One that I didn't believe in. And again, I rightfully got pummeled for it. I deserve yeah, what I got. You, you did. You, you sold yeah. your soul for rock and roll and you came up short. I will stand by though. Van well, Halen especially. Yeah, Van yeah. Halen I totally stand by. And I, I'll tell you, Tom Betty and, and the Heartbreakers, I don't know if they, it was a good or bad pick because nobody even mentioned them. I think maybe it's because you mm 2 -hmm. people were so annoyed by you 2 that yeah. they used their 200... 80 characters to bitch about that bit and didn't even mention Tom Petty. I, don't, I, I have no idea what that feedback was. I, I will say I was annoyed that somebody who responded to our poll said they didn't like my pick of Nirvana because of longevity. And I was like, <laughs> are you fucking serious? They yeah. changed everything about music in the nineties by showing up on the scene. And I, well, I, they weren't around long enough. I was like, it's their fault that Kurt Cobain had problems. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sure. Okay, pal. Whatever. <laughs> they, only, they only made like three albums. They're the three biggest albums of the 90s. Shut up. I also, and I get annoyed when people say, and I've come to accept it and understand. I come to accept that there's some people who are going to vote on the poll and have their comments, but don't actually end up listening to the show. I get annoyed when some people say, how do you not pick or mention this? When we literally mm -hmm. will sit there and have a conversation about, why we almost picked this group or why right. we didn't pick this group, you mm -hmm. know, but whatever it is, what it is. So this week we're going to do TV talk show hosts. And so we're clear. It's not necessarily late night TV talk show hosts. It's not daytime TV talk show hosts. It's just TV talk show hosts. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to be honest with you and, and, and say, give prefaces by saying something. I have a, this is probably the, I don't want to say I've mailed this weekend. I haven't even picked yet, but I usually get really excited whether they work out or not. I usually get really excited about our topics. I, I think we do mm -hmm. a, a good job of picking fun topics. I'm not really excited about this one. I mean, I'm going to plow through. I'm going to be professional. Okay. You know, I'm a professional here, but I think that means you're going to win this week because you don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I, my point is this, I usually have a lot of, I, I don't always articulate it well, but I always have a lot of like animated thoughts in my mind anyway about why I want mm -hmm. to pick this one or, you know, how this is going to go. Not really the case with this. But anyway, you know what? I'm looking. You actually had the first pick last week, which I, always I did. thought was kind of surprising. You took the Rolling Stones over the Beatles and it worked. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it worked out for you. So it was a good pick, man. Good pick. That's going to put me first <laughs> here. 
Um, all right. Well, then this one's easy for me. I actually, I thought you had the first pick. It's not until I just looked now. Oh, and okay. It. So this changes your strategy. No, I don't change my strategy because okay. I mean, he's a clear number one on my board. It's David Letterman. I've, I've always been a big David Letterman fan. I remember watching him on NBC after Johnny Carson. I became a fan of his. He's one of the few late night TV talk. And, and honestly, look at this point, I'm either sleeping or not watching. So I'm not going to lie and say, I stay up and wait for these shows now, but there was mm-hmm. a time where he was worth staying up for. The, the stupid human tricks, he, he just brought a different type of interview and, and segments to his show than all the others that I had seen on late night. So again, I'm not going to overanalyze it. He, he's an easy number one for me. I Yeah, I was hoping you were not going to take David Letterman because I was I was going to run away and, and grab him and, and call it a day. Um, uh, I'm going to go with Conan O'Brien. Okay. Uh, Conan, there was nobody who got screwed harder by Jay Leno than, than Conan O'Brien did. Like I, David Letterman got screwed by Jay Leno too, which I mean, they made a whole HBO movie about that, but which I saw. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is as weird as it is. It's actually, it's actually pretty, pretty informative, but, um, but man, did Leno screw Conan over so bad. This is by the way, this is me tipping off. I'm never picking Jay Leno. So just, just so you're, just so you're aware, I'm never picking Jay Leno. So if he's on your so board, he, go, go ahead and he, take him. He ain't, all right. Uh, but I got to take Conan. I got to take Johnny Carson. Yeah. I'm now, listen, I, that makes me sound very old by saying that. And I was a kid when he wrapped it up. Like, I, I mean, I was, I was young. I was barely able to like, I don't think I was allowed to stay up that late too, <laughs> too much, mm-hmm. but like you go back and watch some of like some of the interviews that he did with people. And Oh my God, the guy, the guy just, you understand why everybody who hosted a, like the late night talk show, was like Johnny's the man. Like you cannot cross Johnny. Johnny is perfect, and Johnny was perfect. Because my God, man, like what a show that was! And I just it blows me away that somebody was that good at. It. And he did it for decades, man. He was just so good. So yeah, Johnny. I I want to look. Johnny Carson was number two on my list, by the way. So mm-hmm. if again I was planning on taking him because I thought you were one and you would take Letterman. Um, about Colonel Ryan too. What a comeback. You're right, man. He got screwed over and mm-hmm. you would have thought that might've been in the end of the road for him. And then he goes to like TBS or some shit eventually. Well, that was years later or whatever, but mm-hmm. what a good run he had on there. One of the more, and plus he has a great podcast. It's still going right now. Yeah. I, I, it's one of the few, the comedian ones that I actually listened to. Mm-hmm. Great pick on O'Brien. He was very high on my list. So I'm really surprised that you took him that high because I was going to take him high too. He was uh-huh. like, he was number four on my list. Conan, um, Conan was my wheelhouse, man. Yeah. Like that's that that that's a show that I basically grew up with. Like being a night owl at night and then watching it at twelve thirty, and then he goes he goes and he's get the, he gets the late night show or he, he gets a he, he gets a you know he gets a better show and you're just like oh man this rules. All right, I got two here. First one's mainstream one. I, I Oprah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it, cheesy and corny, whatever. I watched Oprah. It was on four p.m. CBS on weekdays. Um, I don't want to say she's one of the best interviewers ever, but she's certainly the most, one of the most famous people ever. Mm-hmm. And everybody who was anybody came on that show. And it was, whether it was musicians, artists, whoever it may be, the most famous people came on her show. And I like seeing famous people get interviewed. Now I know I, I got a feeling, but by the way, that might not play that well, but whatever. I'm good with that pick. Um, and the other <laughs> one, the other one, John Stewart, the daily show. Yeah. Loved, loved John Stewart on the daily show. He was there for that. I didn't realize he was there for as long as he was. He was there for like 15 years. One of my favorite interviewers, one of my favorite TV shows. 
And that was a TV talk show. I mean, he had panel guests. He had other people on the show. So that, that makes it eligible. I feel, again, I don't know how he's going to play with a crowd. And I'm not going to sit there and give you this uh, this novel on why I picked some of these guys or, or women. Mm-hmm. But I like John Stewart. So I'm picking him. I tried to hide one, by the way. And I'm really going to be mad if I don't get it. Because I wanted to take this this person with this last pick. But took John See, Stewart and said, I'm you're wondering- on the clock for two. Yeah, I'm wondering who you're trying to hide. Um, well, I'll let you know. You'll know. Well, yeah, if other. I don't pick him, I'm definitely going to know. Well, if yep. I do pick him, you're going to be really pissed. You're going to sure. know one way or the other. <laughs> um, you know, this is where things get a little fuzzy because I think the top four or five is probably kind of unassailable, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. Especially since we're cutting out Jay Leno. It's just, you know, we're just like, we're both like, fuck Jay Leno. Like, who cares? Right. Um. I'm going to go, uh, it's, it's more new school, I guess. And I, I guess it's more out of the John Stewart, uh, level of things. I'm going John Oliver. Okay. On HBO. I, uh, the way he's able to just cut things down to size and be really funny about it and very direct. He's great. Which is good is super. And like that whole show is really fun to watch. Uh, but when he's, you know, when he's dug in and he, and he goes off on his things, oh man, he's, there's there's nobody I want less to be on the other side of a rant than John Oliver. I think that would be a nightmare. <laughs> That's a if good I pick. turned on that show and like John Oliver's going off on me, I'd be like, oh Christ, what did I do? Yeah, I screwed up. That's a good up. pick. That's a nice sleepy pick. I like it. Um, and I think this is another good sleepy pick, Craig Ferguson. Okay, Not I he there, that was another like ultra late night show where. It was weird. It was a little weird. I mean, he had like a, a robot, you know, co-host essentially. Um, and he took it very casually. His humor, you know, you know, if you're not into a Scottish guy kind of cutting jokes and, and being very Scottish at times, it might be a little tricky. Um, but man, nobody could do an interview and make somebody just be like chill the way Craig Ferguson could and just like get and get me to laugh huge at what he's doing. Because I think of the way Conan does an interview where he's there to kind of play the straight man. You know, if, if, you know, he's, he's there to kind of set you up to do what you want to do. Craig Ferguson's there to kind of like yuck it up with you. He'll be the straight man, but he'll also like zing you too. Like that's that kind of, that kind of ability to do an interview is great. And going back and watching some interviews that he's done again, it's just so you're just watching it. You're like, man, how'd this guy not end up getting like a bigger show out of this? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I liked him. I enjoyed him. When I said he's not on my list, he was on my list, but he wasn't who I was talking about. All right. So I got okay. my last two here. So you got I your guy. I could have taken, I got my guy. I feel okay. like I, I, t- I gambled. Girl. I don't know. I, I you know, it's a guy. And okay. and I gambled. I could have taken him with my second pick, to be honest with you, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked him that much or that show anyway, that much. It was only on for five years, but it was at the height of my love for R&B music. It's the Arsenio Hall. Oh, yeah, yeah, And I'm yeah. telling I, you right now, I, I vividly remember this shit, man. Yeah, that was during the time where like Johnny Carson was on the Tonight Show. He, he mm-hmm. was wrapping up, and then it became Jay Leno, who we agree. I, I didn't. We didn't pre-talk, so I didn't know that we both right. kind of have it to stay for Jay Leno. <laughs> but point being <laughs> is the musical acts that were on there weren't the music. I like again as an R&B guy who in the early '90s loved groups like like Jodeci and R. Kelly and Babyface and Boys to Men and all these groups. Arsenio Hall 
had the, the black R&B singers on there mm-hmm. where they, they weren't on anywhere else. To me, I absolutely loved that show. The comedians, it was just a great show. Plus, he was a pretty good interviewer, and he's funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could I could have taken him second, and then I, I hit him, and, I, and I got lucky. So I'll tell you, if I go down with Arsenio Hall, I'll, I'll go down that ship every time. I, I love. Yeah, I I would own it. I would own it. In that yeah. case. I just feel like listen, if you hate me for that, then yeah, fine. I loved it. I loved Enjoy it. It was it was a great place for 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 black artists to go on. Where again, they weren't on, only the most famous ones would be going on Johnny Carson mm-hmm. and, and shit like that. So that's one. And then my last pick, I'm gonna go. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go Larry King. Um. He was the only reason in the 90s I would ever put CNN on. I didn't give a shit about the news. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I watch a lot of Larry King live. You know what I mean? But uh, I did. I, I mean, I saw a lot of his interviews. He used to have a lot of wrestlers on. And mm-hmm. he was one of the, the, the first, at least that I could personally remember, where he would have a guest. And then he would also take calls from viewers who were watching. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not like the biggest fan in the world of Larry King, but I feel good enough for being the last pick to, to have him. So, yeah. That's my five, man. That's I, I listen. I have I have zero issue with either of those because I uh, honestly I was eyeballing Larry King too because I just again I think of interviews. Yeah, and Larry King just always had the just unbelievable interviews, mm-hmm. and like people would I- expressly go to him saying, you, "You know, I got stuff to say. Let me talk with him." Mm-hmm. Like that's that was that was the thing with him. Um, yep. See, this makes doing all this makes me sad though because. It makes me think of the shows that are on now, like the late night shows now, and they're all like different levels of disappointing. Like, I, you know, yeah. like uh, Jimmy Kimmel, like he's fine. Um, I get, uh, Jimmy Fallon stinks. I don't like Jimmy Fallon at all. Um, Stephen Colbert's show is fine, I guess. Like, I don't know, man. I it's, never, I never thought he was as funny as John Stewart. No, and his humor's I mean, it's weird because like on Comedy Central, he was great. And then he went to CBS and suddenly that show aged about 40 years, which yeah. was like, what? Like, how, how does that happen? Yeah. Um, see, but now I'm in, a, I'm, in a, I'm in a funny spot because this is where the sleaze comes out, I think. Because ah. we, can't, we can't talk about talk shows without getting into the muck. Right. I completely agree. I, I had a feeling you were going in this direction. I would too. And I a hundred percent agree. And to I, your point, while why you're contemplating mm-hmm. to your point about Jimmy Fallon, I also agree. I, I'm surprised. I thought you would have liked him a lot. I don't think he's that good either. He's good with skits. Like they have skits on his show that he does mm-hmm. with people or he does some musical stuff, but in terms of conversations, man, but the mucky stuff, go ahead. Cause I, 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 I agree with you. Yeah, I I don't think there I I don't think we can really do this without saying Jerry Springer. I mean, there are other guys that were before him that kind of got into this sort of stuff. Like Geraldo Rivera, I think is the OG, is the OG of that because I think the original Geraldo show was the original controversial talk show, and you know where he'd have like he'd have like Nazis on there, or he'd have like you know just all sorts of like crazy shit. And you're just like the hell's going on with this country? Mm-hmm. Geraldo's got them all on there, but um, like him and Morton Downey Jr. I don't know if you remember. I do. Morton, Morton Downey Jr. Show. I do. That was an insane asylum of a show. Like his Constantly crowd was smoking it, cigarettes. Yep. No, I remember yeah, like, screaming at people. His crowd is insane. And you're just like, what the hell's, what the hell's even going on here? Like that guy was a, like huge for a hot second, but like 
Jerry Springer took it to like a whole different depth. I can't say it's a new level because like cult, level cult makes following. me hot. Cult but following. It's, it's huge cult following. And tell, find me somebody who never watched Jerry Springer, knows Jerry Springer, knows the circus sideshow that is Jerry Springer. Yeah. It, the stuff on a show is not believable. It's all phony. It's all caricature. Like everything about it. And if it is real, good Lord, find some help for these people. Because <laughs> Jesus. But yeah. he, like, I know it's like some of these shows are so trashy. They're funny. Like Maury, the Maury show, hilarious. Especially when he's doing like the paternity test shit. Like, right. I don't know why that's funny. Like, it's awful that it's funny. And like, that's, that's saying a lot about me as a human being that I'm just kind of like, wow, let's see how this goes. Like, no, I don't need that circus. I don't need that circus sideshow. Jerry in my life, knew what he was. He knew what his show he was. Hundred percent knew what he was, and he yeah. knew what he was doing. He knew the buttons he was pushing. He was. He's the ultimate cer- like ringmaster. I mean, that's the name of his friggin' movie, Ringmaster. But like, it's what he was. Like, he was. He he was the head of the circus, and he was bringing the freaks out. And yeah, it's a hundred percent what he did. I think we. I think we both. Well, according to my list, anyway, that I had, we we stuck to it. The only one I didn't have on my, on my personal top 10 was Craig Ferguson, but he could have easily been. John Oliver, I think, is a really good sneaky pick. I had Jerry Springer on my list for the, all the reasons that you said. You can't, have <laughs> 10, you can't have 10 selections and not honor the muck. And then it comes down to, to me anyway, it was Springer or Maury Povich. And I, mm-hmm. I personally was a Springer guy. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. I watched the show. He is one of those most recognizable people, too. It's like when you... Um, like a lot of people who don't even watch wrestling, but there's a handful of wrestlers where mm-hmm. they're instantly recognizable, whether you watch wrestling or not. That's how it is with Jerry Springer. You know the Jerry mm-hmm. Springer show, whether you want to admit it or whether you don't. A couple that neither of us picked. Phil Donahue was a pretty popular name. I'm looking at Ellen DeGeneres, which I'm not a big fan of Ellen. I mean, she does a lot of cool shit during the daytime she, stuff. But, she did for a little bit, but then yeah. it got to be like weird, especially now that she, yeah. we found out that she's a monster to the people that work for her. So yeah. it's like, all right, that's yeah. enough. Ricky Lake was another one too. I actually oh, was, I kind of yeah. liked Ricky Lake a little bit, man. So yeah. Um, that was a I softer agree. version of Jerry Springer. I like, agree. That was, yeah. If I was forced to pick one of the current ones, I probably would have picked Jimmy Kimmel. I'm more yeah. entertained, not because I think he's amazing, but I, I think he's better than Fallon or, or better than Stephen Colbert. So I, I would have picked him if if I had to pick one. All right, let's yeah. recap these. David Letter I got David Letterman, Oprah, John Stewart, Arsenio Hall, Larry King. Joe took Conan O'Brien, Johnny Carson, John Oliver, Craig Ferguson, Jerry Springer. Honestly, this could be a this could be a tight one, man. I, I feel good. I think I, you got the edge. I I, I really do. Be. We've only had two close votes. So it's, you know what I mean? We've had, I, can see, this, I can see this one being a 60-40 for you. Yeah, is that what you think? Yeah, I, I think it could be. Because I, I think people are going to see Letterman because Letterman's the, Letterman's the best. Yeah, ever. I think he, he's And like then Oprah, to, I think, that's, yeah. yeah, I think I think enough people have forgotten that Oprah had a, even had a talk show. <laughs> people know the memes, like the bees yeah. meme that you see all the time. Like people right. see that and they're just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, Oprah, okay. But like she's such a huge entity now that like you don't even think about the talk show anymore yeah i i think for sure letterman letterman is i think he could have that kind of impact that like tony soprano had when we did hbo mm-hmm. stuff you know or the sopranos um there. that's why i had to take carson <laughs> that's why i had to take johnny even though like i mean listen i was taking johnny no matter what but like that's the only guy that can counter to to, to letterman in my opinion like that's the only guy i think on, on any of our list that could really hang in with letterman and possibly outdo Letterman. I think 
I think Johnny might be old enough so that enough people on Twitter are going to be like, who the hell's Johnny Carson? We'll see. Well, anyway, this will be up. You're listening, hopefully, Friday morning. This will be up on both our Twitters. Follow me at Pamoran Tweets. Of course, follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Yurden. Check out Noted Hockey on Substack. I'll put a link in the show notes, and it's also in Joe's bio on his Twitter. All right, well, this draft was more fun than I thought. Good talk, man. Good talk again. We will be back, not next Friday, but next Wednesday for Casual Wednesday. Thanks as always, Brody. This was fun, man. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, all, and always, it's it's fun on Casual Friday. <laughs>